I need to start this morning by asking you a question. Have you ever been compared to somebody else? Or maybe you've even compared someone to someone else. When I was growing up, my older brother always had good grades. Everything to come, it seemed to come easy to him. <laughs> and as a younger brother, <laughs> I say he never got into trouble. And people would look at me later on and they'd say, why can't you be like your brother? That would aggravate me. And I'd say, stop making me like him. I'm not him. Been there, done it. I know you have. The writer of the book of James was Jesus' half-brother. I see you grin. You know where I'm going with this. Growing up, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. James was probably like every other young boy and me, mischievous, getting into trouble. I know his mama could see right in his twinkly little eyes, know he was up to something. And I can see Mary and Joseph saying, James, why can't you be more like your brother? James say. You're the ones that say he's God and perfect, not me. Well, that's exactly what suffering does to you. It grows your faith and makes you more like your brother, Jesus. James did become a believer in Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection. He was the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And the church there in Jerusalem was suffering the persecution. And James was right in that with them. About 15 years later, people had started leaving Jerusalem and going to the outer villages and towns to get away from that suffering. James was also the leader of the first council in Jerusalem. Do you remember that in the book of Acts? It's where it was okay for Gentiles to eat bacon, pork. That's at the first council in Jerusalem. James was there. He was the leader of it. By being a member of the first church in Jerusalem and suffering that persecution, by the end of James's life, he was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple how hated he was. If you want to remember, the pinnacle of the temple is where Jesus was taken by Satan. And Satan said, throw yourself down and you won't break a toe. God will catch you. Well, it was a pretty high spot. And they chunked James right off of it. I mean, chunked him right off of it. But you know what happened? James survived. Can you imagine that? They were so mad at him because he survived, they beat him to death with clubs. Can you imagine the suffering that James went through? You think he knew a little bit about suffering? I imagine he did. Here's a proposition for today. Life's troubles test Christians' faith to make them the way God wants them. Did you catch that? 
your troubles, God's using to make you the way he wants you to be. And I know right here, some of you are going through some kind of suffering right now. <laughs> it might be money problems because you're not looking to God and his will for you and your money. Maybe it's a job problem. You're looking for a job that you want instead of the one that God wants for you. You may be suffering some kind of chronic pain. <laughs> I know a lot of you are like me. Maybe it's an illness or a disability. Or maybe a family member is going through some kind of broken relationship. It may be grief from a traumatic loss like the death of a loved one. We've suffered that here for sure. Every one of us is suffering from something. Sometimes you just want to look up at God and say, Why, God, why? Why do you allow your faithful followers to go through suffering and trying times? How are you using my fiery trials and suffering for my good and your glory? How does suffering bless me? Can I actually have joy while I'm suffering hardships and pains? The answer to that question, all of those questions, church, begins with Pastor Joe's favorite verse. You guys know it, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. If you're one of those who are called according to God's purpose, and if you love God, then you know that your suffering works for your good and his glory. Now, just that alone should give you a little joy. God's working for your good and his glory. But let's see what James has to say. James chapter 1, verse 2. Jesus' brother, James, writes, Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. The Greek word here for consider can also be translated count or to believe something to be. It also, the Greek word for trials implies or suggests trouble, something that breaks the pattern of peace, comfort, joy, and happiness in your life. It also means to put someone to the test with the purpose of discovering that person's true nature. So James is actually saying something like this. Believe it to be joy when you have trouble. Believe it to be joy? It's hard. It's hard. Something we've got to do in our mind, in our soul. Believe it to be joy when you have troubles, 
when you have no peace, when you have no comfort, and when you have no happiness because you are being tested to discover your true nature. Your tests and troubles and sufferings is a test to find out if you're a true believer or not. Do you really have faith in God? The natural man's response to these trials is not rejoice. The natural man. Therefore, believers must make a conscious commitment to face these trials with joy, knowing that all of our joy comes from being in the Lord. You see, unbelievers in the world, they can't have joy in their suffering because they do not know the Lord. They are not in the Lord. But those that are in the Lord, those that are called according to His purpose, can take joy knowing that your suffering is for God's purpose. God's testing, uh, God brings testing into believers' lives to prove and increase the strength and quality of your faith. And to determine the quality or being of you being valid, a true believer. Every trial that becomes a test is designed to strengthen and prove your belief in God. Are you truly trusting in him? If the believer fails these tests, those tests become temptations to sin by not relying on God. If you're not relying on God, you're sinning. That's tough. That's tough. We go out and think we can take care of everything. We have to rely on God no matter what. I got a few Christian quotes here that will help you understand that a little better. Sam Storms writes, Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It's the presence of God. You hear what he said? Your joy is not the absence of suffering. It's the presence of God. <laughs> In the book of Isaiah, God says to you, Do not fear, for I am with you. And in the book of Matthew, do you remember Jesus after he gave the Great Commission? He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Take joy knowing that God is with you in your suffering. You're not alone. There's more. John Piper says, this is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. More contentment with God and less satisfaction in the world. <laughs> Church, you're not going to find satisfaction in this world because this world's temporary. You may find that temporary joy, but it's not going to last in the end. If you're a true believer in Jesus and you're in Jesus, you'll only find joy that lasts forever into eternity. By becoming more and more content with God's purpose for your life 
here in the temporary. One more that will really help. Oswald Chambers says, No healthy Christian ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. Do you want more problems in your life? Do you want more relationship problems? Do you want more financial problems? Do you want more house problems, car problems? you want more death in your families? Nobody wants that. But if you want joy in life, you must choose God and his will for your life like your Savior did even when it means suffering. You can't choose, I don't want to suffer. But do you allow your Savior? I mean, do you know that your Savior died for you? He suffered for you. You must choose that suffering as he did. Here's the point for today. Suffering connects us to Jesus by making us like him. I got to share a little bit about when I broke my ankle and had ankle replacement surgery here just recently. Most of you know about it. You see, after that surgery... If I wanted to be able to walk again, something had to happen. You see, I had to stand up and put pressure on that ankle. Man, it's tough. Then I'd let off and I'd stand up and I'd put more pressure on that ankle until finally I could stand. And I'd take a few steps, pressure in that ankle to make it do what it was supposed to do. And finally, I can walk on it. And if you see me walking around, most of you know I don't even have a problem walking most of the time. You see that twinkle in my eye, brother? Most of you that were here at our bonfire, I can now walk. And I can even dance around on it a little bit. It's not without suffering. It still hurts. That pain will probably never go away. But I thank God every day that he's in it with me, causing that suffering to make me do what I'm supposed to do. You see, that's exactly what God's doing to you when you're suffering. You're being pressured with some kind of suffering as you continue through that suffering and not losing faith in God, you're being built up. You're building up your endurance of faith in Him. That's what suffering does to you. It causes you to draw closer to God and build your faith in Him. This world is full of all kinds of various trials. Those that you've created for yourself because you sin. And the natural ones. Things that just happen. Hurricanes, illnesses, deaths. We've been talking about them for a few weeks now. 
sins that we call and natural sins. Those things cause us suffering. We're not going to get away from them. When you don't have a job or the one that you have is not the one that God has for you, when you or your family members are going through some kind of relationship problems, that suffering is testing your faith in God to prove that your faith in Him is valid or true. That increases your endurance to rely on Him and carry you through. Verse 4. And let that endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So that you may be perfect, here in this verse, does not mean that you are sinlessly perfect. It refers to your spiritual maturity. So that you may be spiritually mature and complete. Your endurance, the result of your endurance, causes you to be more spiritually mature and continues to build your endurance of faith in him. This endurance of faith drives believers to grow closer and closer to God with a greater trust in God. The endurance of faith produces stable, godly, righteous character and perfection. Through the pressure of your suffering, and gaining a greater endurance, God is making you more and more like your brother, Jesus. As believers, you are being made like him because in him, you are perfect. You catch that, church? If you're in Jesus, you're perfect. No, you're not perfect in this world. But in him, you are perfect. Oswald Chamber writes, Believers are, in Christ, perfect. Every one of them. True believers in Christ are perfect. However, the idea of perfection is not limited to spiritual realm. Our suffering causes us to grow more spiritually mature each day. Yes, that's true. But the Bible describes wholeness as being perfectly well in body, soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and spirit. Perfect in body, soul, and spirit was God's original plan and design for humanity before the fall. And believers will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing when Jesus comes at the end times. You know I wasn't going to have a message without talking about eschaton. i got to talk about it, brother. We're there. We're going there. Hallelujah. Wait, church, I just can't wait for it. I'm excited about it. That gives me joy. No, I'm going into eternity at the end. That ought to give you joy there, too. 
Sorry, it's a rabbit trail there. Now for our application. Endure what is to come by setting your mind, your mind, will, and emotions on what strengthens your faith. The suffering you are in right now may ease up. Mine has. It may ease up. It might even end. But if you are a true believer in Jesus, then you're going to have more suffering. If Jesus, the perfect person, suffered, what makes you think you're not going to have to suffer? You're no better than he was. If he suffered, you're going to suffer. If you're like him and you're in him, things are going to happen to you like they happened to him. If you set your mind to suffer joyfully because you're in him, you're going to be with him forever. Amen? Now we need to... Uh, be cautious about assuming that our suffering is God's discipline, is not suffering or is suffering from God's disciplining us because of sin. We've got to be careful. You see, sin was the cause for David's suffering, the loss of his son. Do you remember? David had a relationship with Bathsheba out of marriage and had a son that died. He sinned, his son died. He suffered that. That can be why you're suffering, sin. But did you know that uh, Joseph and Job, they didn't do anything wrong, but they still had to suffer. God might be disciplining you, but much suffering is simply because we live in a fallen world. Your suffering could be some kind of natural cause. Maybe you're sick. There's cancer rampant in this world causing a lot of suffering. Even death of a loved one can cause you to suffer. Church, we've had all these things here right in our own little church. 45, 50 people. These natural things cause us suffering. But we have to pray for discernment. And when we do, the author of joy is going to give you joy through those suffering times. The pain of suffering that you're going through right now is building your endurance. It's building your endurance to face the suffering and pain to come. God is pressuring believers to build their faith in him so that they will be able to endure the suffering and pain at the end of their life. We're all headed there. Because Adam and Eve sinned, we all have to die. And it comes with suffering and pain. 
but the pain and suffering that some are going to face at the end times, that endurance is building you up for that too. I believe that there are some right here in this building and in this world today that's going to see the, and have to face the pain and suffering that's going to come when Jesus comes back. Believers, we have to remember God's anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Amen? That's Psalm 30, verse 5. But I've got one more for you that some of you, I don't know, watch what i got to say there. Some of us who used to sing from hymnals, hymnals, we'll remember these words from a song we used to sing. It says, hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. The darkest hour means dawn is just in sight. Hallelujah. Man, I can't wait for it, church. I'm going to be there. I want to be there. Maybe I'm not going to be there. I don't know. None of us is willing to choose suffering. You don't have to. <laughs> it finds you easy enough, right? We don't need to look for suffering. It just comes. Joy and blessings accompany suffering. You're just not going to get away from it. But you have to come to the right mindset that if you have suffering, you're going to have to take it with the joy that God gives you. Jesus came on a cross. And he bore all of your shame and suffering. God turned his face from our Savior and he was crushed. He has not, nor will he ever crush those that truly believe in him. He took your pain and the penalty that you were supposed to take being crushed and turned away from by God. But you don't have to take that suffering and pain because Jesus took it for you. Can you get joy out of that? Just think about it. We're going to be with Jesus for eternity. This life is temporary. At the beginning of the year, Joe gives us some things to read. He gives us a reading plan for the year, so you can read through the Bible in a year. He suggests some books to read, some inspirational books to read. He gives us his preaching calendar so that we can be ready for the Sunday that's coming or the next kindred that's happening. He also gives us some devotional books to read from. The reason that is is so that we can all be on the same page each day praying for the same things. 
You're not alone. That's what it's for, to bring you together. Today, I'm going to share a story with you from a devotional I've been reading. It comes from Truth for Life by Alistair Begg. Now, I changed the story a little bit to fit this message, but the outcome is still the same. A pastor was moving his study into his new home. And he had a four-year-old son that was helping him, little boy. And the pastor had taken a bunch of stuff from the car and went into his home, his new home. And on his way back out, he heard his son crying. He's what? So he ran to his son. And his son was suffering from trying to carry too much stuff. So the dad picks the boy up, takes the suffering that he's suffering with, and he carries them into their new home. Great imagery. Great imagery. How often do you suffer various trials by yourself? God doesn't want you to suffer them on your own. You're the one that decides that you would rather face the suffering and worry about this or fret about that alone. When God doesn't want you to bear those sufferings and burdens by yourself. His desire is for you to have faith in him and cast your anxieties on him. You've all read it. You all know all about it. Whether it's through the work of the Holy Spirit or through the suffer, suffering and burden sharing love of the church. You got that, church? You don't have to suffer alone, and you don't have to just hand it to God in prayer. You can give it to your brothers and sisters to help you carry your suffering so you don't have to be alone. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens, therefore fulfilling the law of Christ. Can you take joy in somebody else helping you through a hard time? It makes it so much easier. It's still suffering and pain, but God wants you to trust him and throw those problems back to him. You see, Isaiah 4, God, 41.10, God says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Don't be anxious and looking about, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and surely I will help you, and surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus is carrying you so you don't have to be alone. That dad picked up his child and carried him into their new home. God is going to pick you and your suffering up and take you into your new home. Amen? Hallelujah. That pastor in that story is great. Great imagery. He picked up his son and carried him into his new home, and that's the joy and suffering that you can have with Jesus carrying you. God is will, not only willing, but will be able to carry your needs and troubles and suffering into your new home. 
Is there suffering, a joy in suffering, church? Can you see it? Yeah, I can see it. There can be joy in your suffering. <laughs> it still hurts. The pain's still there. It's never going to go away. But thank God he's carrying me. He's carrying you. Joy, joy, joy. 